Welcome to Puckheads. I'm Matt Rosenberg. Alongside me is Zach Smith. And it is November 18th as we record this episode. And Zach, we're getting closer and closer to the Thanksgiving break. Uh, where a lot of times we gleam what's going to happen and who looks like they might be securing playoff spots and who's in major trouble in the NHL. And that's going to be our topic today. Uh, the struggling Toronto Maple Leafs and Tampa Bay Lightning's two teams in the Atlantic Division that have performed below expectations so far this year. And for Toronto, they've had a tough time. They've been snaping with injuries, but there are some underlying numbers that are a concern for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Absolutely. I mean, we talked about um, Toronto being able to sustain the uh, injury of Mitch Marner. They're already struggling to begin with. Uh, they've lost five in a row at this point, and, and a lot of those games haven't been close. Um, Tampa Bay as well, a team that we've talked throughout this uh, entire beginning of the season, struggling, not really sure what's been happening with them. We see them, uh, you know, a team that we thought would be at the top of their division towards the, uh, towards the bottom right there in the middle, along with Toronto. So, I don't know. Uh, some concerning stats from you look at Toronto, um, 21st on the power play, 25th in the penalty kill. You can't sustain any success when you're at the bottom half of both of your special teams. And, um, you know, Mitch Marner injury or not, if that's how you're going to play, it's going to be hard to, you know, be competitive in the division they play in. Um, yeah, Tampa Bay, similar. You know, their power play is good. We know the offense they have. Um, I think the the penalty kill, obviously, they're, they rank 22nd. That's not where you want to be. Um, I don't know. One of the topics that Matt, you and I discussed was Mike Babcock and the job he's done. Um, you know, do you think he's on the hot seat at this point? You know, I didn't think so because Mike Babcock has like a gazillion years left on his contract in Toronto. And I really didn't think that Mike Babcock was on the hot seat. But looking at some of the stuff and some of the reports that came out, there was a report in The Athletic by James Myrtle, the pros and cons of the Maple Leafs moving on from Mike Babcock. And this is a team that's getting outshot. This is a team that's giving up a lot of high danger chances. Their, their shots are from the perimeter, you know, not great scoring shots. And... You know, if you go to the Leafs having one regulation win in their last nine games, two in their last 15, uh, James Myrtle points out that their special teams have been in the league basement in that span, 11.8% on the power play and 71.4% on the penalty kill. I would say that it is a major concern for the Toronto Maple Leafs, especially when you have a division that is more and more competitive than I think people thought. And, you know, Florida's up there, Montreal's up there, along with, you know, Boston. Uh, Buffalo's been in and out of the top as well. I, I think it's a concern when you look at the fact that the Toronto Maple Leafs, they have not got great goaltending. Their backup goaltending has been awful. But two regulation wins in their last 15 games, that's, that's a concern. That's a long enough sample size that I think that there is real concern around the Toronto Maple Leafs. Yeah, I think it's uh, it's definitely, you know, they're not where they want to be right now. Um, Mike Babcock has had a great career. He's been a great coach. But I wonder if his traditional older style of play is not 
what Toronto needs. You know, they've got some great young offensive talent. Um, you know, could a different coach uh, get a little more creative with the play calls, with the lines they're running? Um, could they get more out of this team? It's um, it's certainly not where they want to be. You know, you look at that division. You've got Boston and a surprising Montreal on top. Then you have Florida and Buffalo, who's had their struggles. Then Toronto, then Tampa Bay. Uh, the only teams, you know, that they've played better than is Ottawa and Detroit. And, you know, you're not expecting a lot from them. And there's not much separating them on the uh, the points total. So, yeah, I think it's uh, it's two teams that as we as we get into Thanksgiving here, um, they certainly should be concerned about where they stand, not only in the um, in their division, but the Eastern Conference overall. Yeah, and you look at the Toronto Maple Leafs, and you know to focus a little bit more on them for you know another minute or so. You know they've given up three and a half goals per game. They're three and six on the road. They're six, three, and four at home, and. This is a team that's just kind of struggled to put it together in the Toronto Maple Leafs. And this is a team that, when you look at someone like Tampa Bay, who's only two points behind them, well, Tampa Bay has five games at hand on the Toronto Maple Leafs already. So you you know, okay, yeah, Toronto's up, but Tampa Bay's got so much room and so much of a cushion to make up that you basically put Toronto at sixth place in the Atlantic, even though they're right now in fifth place because of how many games in hand and Tampa Bay is only two points behind. It's just, it's a concern and Tyson Berry hasn't really fit well. This is a team that's not meshing and is it that they were bit by the injury bug? Remember Tavares was out for a couple weeks. Uh, you know, Austin Matthews always had struggles with health, but he's been relatively healthy. It's just it's a surprising start for the Toronto Maple Leafs where everything is falling apart. As you mentioned, Zach, a lot of their recent games have not been close at all. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is a team that, um, you know, they need to get it together quick. Um, I would say the Atlantic is probably the division that you don't want to fall behind in just because the teams at the top are so good and they're showing no signs of slowing down. So we'll see. It's certainly going to be, um, you know, panic. I think if they can't start to turn this around in the next few games and, um, you know, we'll go from there. Two disappointing teams, uh, you know, two teams that I I thought were going to be competitive come Stanley Cup playoff. Yeah, let's talk about the Tampa Bay Lightning really quickly since we haven't mentioned a whole lot about them. Uh, they have a plus five goal differential, 64 uh, to 59 in 17 games. So you do that with their scoring goals. They're scoring goals to four goals a night. The... Uh, you know, but they're giving up a lot of goals, and and that I think has to be a concern for the Tampa Bay Lightning. When you're giving up over three and a half goals a night, you know the power play is great for Tampa Bay, second in the league, but the penalty kill, it's a bad, bad penalty kill. Where it, I think they're twenty fifth. Uh, you know, they're not good on the penalty kill, and that's gonna hurt you. You know, because if it's great if you can score, much like kind of like Chicago Blackhawks do. But if you can't stop the puck from getting in your net, much like the Blackhawks last year, you're going to have issues. And I think that that's where you're seeing with Tampa Bay right now. Absolutely. I mean, Will, uh, there are two teams to keep an eye on just because they do have the talent to turn it around. Um, But as each day goes by, the way they've been playing lately, it's certainly um, concerning to see how they're doing. Yeah, I mean, and they did with three in a row last week. It's just... 
It's surprising to see the Tampa Bay Lightning already double-digit points behind the team. And yeah, they played like the least amount of games because remember they were over in Sweden a couple weeks ago. But still, it's a concern for the Tampa Bay Lightning. Yeah, you got three games in hand of Boston, but you're also 12 points behind Boston for first place. So, it, you know, the Tampa Bay Lightning have got to, you know, step it up and put it in gear right now. And, and you know, they could use some contributions from some people. I mean, they have great depth again. They have eight guys, uh, nine guys, excuse me, with 10 points or more so far. You have a couple more that are going to be right there. So this is a Tampa Bay team that can score again, but you have to be able to keep the puck out of the net, and that's been the biggest concern so far for the Tampa Bay Lightning, because when you look at their goaltending, it's it's not great. And, and Vasilevsky, you know, when you look at the goaltending, is, I'm trying to pull up the stats here for Andre Vasilevsky and company, but it's a team that needs to be more disciplined, but Vasilevsky 7-5 with a three a goals against average of just over three and the same percentage of 901. His numbers are down, and conversely, that's why I think you see the Tampa Bay Lightning as a little bit of a minor disappointment at the start of the season here. Absolutely. And, um, you know, while things for Tampa Bay aren't going um, exceptionally well these last few weeks, there certainly has been uh, a point worth celebrating. Steven Stamkos, the uh, – the lifelong great Tampa Bay Lightning player scores his 400th goal, uh, second fastest among all active players to reach the milestone. Really, um, it's just a great representative of the hard work um, you know that it takes to be an NHL player. He's been one of the best for years. Um, certainly, a, a great milestone for him to reach, and I really don't think anyone's too surprised um, that he is the second fastest among all active players. So, not all bad for the. Tampa no, not at all. Congratulations to Steven Stamkos. By the way, Alex Ovechkin did it in like roughly 120 games faster <laughs> than Steven Stamkos. Yeah. That's incredible. Uh, yeah, so congrats, uh, congratulations to Steven Stamkos for reaching that milestone earlier this week. Uh, really quickly, let's. I, I want to talk. I don't know if you caught this app. It's Saturday night. Colorado's playing Vancouver. They're up 4-2. What about a minute and a half left or so? Uh, I think it was actually about two minutes, closer to two-minute mark. And Matt Calvert goes to block a shot. And it hits him in the head, and he's lying on the ice, bleeding. And the reps allow the play to continue, and Vancouver winds up scoring. Uh, you know, right after that. And it was one of the most scariest things that I've seen because, I mean, Calvert is just out, he's bleeding, and and all that, and, I mean, it was one of the scariest things I've ever seen, Alex, Alexander Edler, with that goal. Vancouver winds up scoring to tie the game, Rob Bozer, and then Nathan McKinnon just takes over in overtime with an end-to-end -end rush, and he got on his horse and just blew past everybody, and that was a goal on a mission for Nathan McKinnon, and he winds, the Colorado winds up winning 5-4 in overtime, but what should the protocol be when somebody is down like that? I know they're in the defensive zone, but what should the rule be? And Rule 8.1 of the NHL rulebook states when a player is injured so that he cannot continue the player or go to his bench, the play shall be not stopped 
until the injured player's team has secured control of the puck. If the player's team is in control of the puck at the time of the injury, play shall be stopped immediately unless his team is in a scoring position. So, but what do you do when somebody's down on the ice, prone face down, and they can't protect themselves, and the play is going on around them? Yeah, I mean, it. Um, it's, a, it's a scary video to watch because uh, quite literally you're watching this player bleed out on the ice and uh, the scariest part about it is that there's no way to, to know if he's going to get hit again just in the natural play of the game it's um it was you know scary to watch um i understand the rule book i understand you know if, if a guy takes one you know off the leg and he's hobbled and um you know you're not trying to create a disadvantage for the team in the offensive zone you got to do something different with head injuries. You're literally watching this defensive, defenseless player on the ice, and you can see, you know, they score the goal. The rest of his teammates are pissed off because they should be, considering they had to try and play around their teammate, um, you know, laying there on the ice. It's, it's a hard rule to enforce. I think when it comes to head injuries and when someone is completely defenseless like this situation here, you've got to blow the whistle. Because what happens if he takes another shot right off the face? You know, you're looking at potential serious injuries. Yeah, or what if someone falls on him with his skate? You know, their skate, he can't do anything to protect himself. He's down on the ice, face down, and he can't see what's coming to him. You know, he's knocked out. So what is, you know, Calvert supposed to do to protect himself, or anybody for that matter? There's so much that can happen. Somebody can fall on him. He can get even more seriously injured, as you mentioned, the puck. I, I just think in that situation, play needs to be stopped. And, look, I understand that Vancouver's has a scoring threat, but at some point, player safety and personal safety matters more than a freaking goal. Absolutely. I mean, it's it seems like a no-brainer that you blow the whistle there. Um, it was a terrifying sight to see watching that um, transpire. And, um, yeah, it's certain. It's again. It's one of the parts of the game. These things happen. You need to make sure that further injuries don't occur um, for anyone involved. It, the whistle should have been blown. Absolutely, I agree. You know, one hundred percent. And that's all that I think you could say about that. It's that you know the whistle should have been blown. Everything should have been blown and stopped. You know, because really, you know, a guy's down in the ice. He's not moving. He's bleeding on the side of his head. That, that takes precedence over, you know, letting play continue, which led to a goal because, you know, Calrounds down even another man. So now it becomes a sits on four, and it's just it's easy pickings for Vancouver. Um, so, you know, an unfortunate situation of what I think the NHL has to look at resolving the next time they have their GM meetings. Absolutely. So uh, let's get to some of the milestones of the week and some of the news of the week as well. Uh you know, Sidney Crosby out for six weeks with a core muscle injury. He had surgery on it. It's a huge loss to the Pittsburgh Penguins. Their leading scorer, of course, five goals, 12 assists, a point-per-game player this year, Sidney Crosby, 17 points in 17 games. But the leadership as well, and this is a Penguins team that's really looking at falling incredibly far behind the Washington Capitals and the New York Islanders and looking at having a fight for third place. You know, this is an injury that he suffered during the Blackhawks game a week, nine days ago. And for Sidney Crosby, it's a tough injury, and, you know, you hope he comes back with it. Let's see, six weeks, that's played them around Christmas time. They'll come back maybe a little bit earlier, but a huge blow to the Pittsburgh Penguins. Absolutely. 
you mentioned it. Washington right now is showing no signs of slowing down. Um, you can't afford to you know lose any games if you want to stay competitive in that division. Right now, Pittsburgh, you know, they've got a playoff spot. They're sitting in the first wild card position. Um, a few teams right behind them. You've got the Flyers, I believe, in the second wild card position currently. Um, you lose your best player. You lose your captain. You lose the uh, the guy that makes everything happen for the Pittsburgh Penguins. It's uh, it's an unfortunate injury. He's still one of the best in the game, um, and he's such a competitor that it takes a lot for him to have to sit out a game. So that's how you know this is a serious injury. It's one that six weeks, uh, hopefully he can get back sooner um, because the Penguins are, are going to need him as they make that playoff push. Absolutely. And it's crazy when we think about it. We will be talking playoff push in about two months or so. I mean, we'll really be looking at the playoff rates probably every night. Uh, really quickly, Joel Quinn will get his 900 career wins, second coach in NHL history to do that. The only other one, of course, the legendary Scotty Bowman, uh, who is about 365 wins or so ahead of Joe Quinville. So, uh, Coach Q's got to stay around for about eight more years, nine more years in order to reach that. Yeah. I don't know. He looks good. The Florida Suns treated him well. So. Yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, it's a great accomplishment. Um, you know, we're very familiar with Coach Q when he was uh, with the Hawks. Uh, he's doing some great things down in Florida currently. Uh, a great accomplishment. Um, you know, you can't think of many other coaches that deserve it more than him. He's a true pro. Um, so, you know, hats off to Coach Q. Yeah. Hats off to Coach Q as well. All right. I know we have some other news of the week that came down uh, this afternoon. Yeah. Uh, a team that we've been talking about a lot, the Buffalo Sabres, on a bit of the, um, you know, tailspin from their hot start to the season. Just um, came across the timeline that Kyle Ocposo, one of their, their better forwards, is out indefinitely with the concussion. Um, they can't really afford any other losses, so that's a big one there. New Jersey Devils, and a surprising move, I think, to both of us. Matt, we were discussing it. They placed Corey Schneider on waivers, and, you know, his best years are behind him. We know that, and, and the, the Devils are a team that's not very competitive so far in the early part of the season, but... You know, if for nothing more than just uh, a leadership presence, uh, I'm surprised that they're making this move. And I, th I think a team's going to pick up Schneider because he, he still has some to offer. Uh, maybe not as your regular starting goaltender, but um, a surprising move for the Devils today. It is a very surprising move. But, I mean, nobody's going to claim him. He has a big contract. Uh, I, I think that they're looking at it more as a way to kind of keep him fresh and to keep him seeing some putts and playing some games. But as you mentioned, yeah, I mean, he, he's... Corey Schneider is at the end of his career, and, and they have Mackenzie Blackwood, who's a 22-year-old, and who who's the starting backup, or starting goaltender, excuse me. But, I mean, Schneider is 0-4-1 with a 4.59 goals against an 8.52 save percentage. So, you know, unfortunately for Schneider, he just has not you know, performed well enough to justify his contract. He has a $6 million salary cap hit and two years left on his contract after the season. So, you know, no one is going to be looking at, you know, picking him up. I, I would highly, highly doubt it. Yeah, at that price, I think you're right. Yeah. All right. Um, let's get really quickly to the Blackhawks, talk to them about them very briefly. They've been on a little bit of a hot tear, Zach. It's what is it? It is 
five wins in the last six games, four in a row, nine out of the last 12 points. This is a Blackhawks team that's starting to put it together. I, I still have concerns because I don't think this is sustainable, the way that they're playing, but they're playing a lot more freer. I think it's clear that they've opened things up a little bit more. You can just see it. But they give up a lot of shots. A lot of shots. They, they won, what, 7-2 in their revenge game against Pecorine and the Nashville Predators. They chased him, but they were outshot 41-24, Zach. Last night, they win as well, 4-1 against the Buffalo Sabres, but they're outshot 34-27. I, I, I just have a hard time seeing this being sustainable for the Chicago Blackhawks. Yeah, I agree. I mean, you look at to score that many goals off, you know, 25-ish shots is, is pretty incredible. It's something that um, you, you're not going to sustain. No matter how good you are, it's, it's, an Im, it's improbable to sustain that over a season. So it's a concern. It's certainly, you know, as fans, four wins in a row, five out of six, you know, you want to celebrate. You want to say, you know, they're finally putting it together. Um, which they are making some some big steps and some improvements, so it's it's good to see. But I'm not sure it's uh, indicative of what the rest of the season is gonna have entail for them. It's uh, it's good to see Taze finally getting up to speed. He's finally starting to score after uh, a very slow first month of the season. Uh, Kirby Doc has just been incredibly impressive. I think now that he's getting some more ice time, uh, nine points in 14 games. He's skating well. He's uh, being physical enough as a young player. Um, you know, it's it's exciting to see. I think the rest of November is going to be what kind of makes or breaks their season because if you look at their next few games, they're really heading into a gauntlet. They, they face Carolina at home. You know, Carolina, a very good team. Then they have Tampa coming to town, a team that, you know, we're talking about them struggling, but they certainly have offensive firepower, which doesn't bode well for what these Hawks are giving up. Then you're at Dallas, Dallas at home, Colorado at home, at Colorado. That is a, a heck of a final, what is it, six games before the month is over? And, yeah. Um, I, think, I feel like, you know, after that we'll have a good idea of really where they're at. You know, if you go 500 through those games, that's pretty impressive considering um, how they started their season. But we'll see. I'm not ready to, to call them a playoff team yet, but they are definitely showing some. Yeah, they are. I mean, you look at them, look, they, I mean, they've started to climb up the standings. They're over 500. They're 9 7 and 4. Uh, you mentioned Taze is starting to get going. He's had 11 points, uh, you know, four goals in the season. Uh, you know, Dylan Strome's starting to get going. He's had a couple multiple point games. Uh, Cade's definitely got him going. Dick Brinkett, uh, Kirby Dock, you mentioned five goals now. And, and he had two goals last night, the first two, and, and a, a very impressive performance. And, he almost had the hat trick. He almost had about two more goals, uh, but he was stymied by just a, a, you know stymied by Carter Hunt twice. But I mean, both of them were backhand. It's just well, uh, you know, looking through these games, outshot by sixteen against Vegas, outshot by seventeen against Nashville, outshot by you know seven against Buffalo. I just have a hard time seeing how when your goalies are facing forty shots a night, how the dam's just not going to eventually break for this Blackhawks team, which, by the way, is, what, one point out of a playoff spot now. They are, they have 22 points, and they are one point behind the Vegas Golden Knights and the Calgary Flames. And they're only, you know, 
three points out of a top three spot in the Central. So they're playing well. I, you know, I'd like to see them tighten up a little bit defensively, but not to the point of what they were trying to do before, which was dump and chase, which doesn't suit this team. Yeah, absolutely. And they are, um, you know, they're right there. If they can remain competitive, um, go on a, a good span here. They've already got four wins in a row. Um, really, the best talking point of the Hawks so far outside of the, the young players that have come up is the goaltending. Uh, Corey Crawford looked spectacular this week. Um, Robin Leonard, we can't, you know, stop gushing over him. He's been absolutely fantastic since he's gotten to the Windy City. So, um just because they're playing well doesn't mean you want to be outshot 20 times a night. You know, that's not a very sustainable um, model to use. You can't expect them to be able to stand up to that every night. So um, some definitely some improvements are needed, but you can't say any more about the the tandem that we have in net right now. No, no. They, they've been carrying them. That's for sure. And, you know, the offense is kind of rolling now. Now that the lines are, you know, correct and and – so, I mean, you know, it's improvement for the Blackhawks, but I, I, I need to see a couple more weeks of this. And, again, if, if you're getting outshot by that much, I, I just have a hard time seeing it eventually not backfiring for uh, against them. So, but, but we'll see. So. Yeah, absolutely. Um, all right. Let's get to our teams of the week. And really not a whole much change for mine. I try to remember mine, but um, I, I'll go with my, you know, teams of the week. And my top three, the St. Louis Blues third. Again, you know, they stay on first in the Central Division. They just keep on rolling. Uh, the New York Islanders, number two, because this team is like a ridiculous, you know, what, eight, one and one or something in their last ten. And the New York Islanders, they just keep getting it done. And, I mean, hats off to Barry Trotz and the rest of that squad because they have been very impressive and really one of the few teams that has been able to stay with my number one team, the Washington Capitals, who just keep on doing Washington Capital things and just keep on rolling through everybody in the uh, in the you know regular season, they, they had a shootout win. What, what was the last? Was the last Wednesday that they had a shootout win against Philly, or yeah, Tuesday or Wednesday? Yeah, I, I don't, Tuesday. You know, don't remember, but you know, man, hats off to the to the Washington Capitals. I mean, they they they've been the best team so far. Absolutely, I mean. Um, I had a little more shakeup in mind just because there are some teams that impressed me over the last week, but those are definitely three of the top teams. You can't go wrong with any of them. Uh, my number three, New York Islanders, a team that uh, is present in both of ours and I've had up there for the last few weeks. Um, you mentioned it, 13 of 14 wins in their last um, you know couple weeks here. Uh, the best goals against per game, which is, uh, you know, when we were discussing the Islanders, the question mark was at goaltending. Right now, they're tied with Arizona for, um, you know, allowing the lowest amount of goals in a game. 2.33, the, the tandem of Greece and Var Varlamov has been spectacular. So, my number three team. Number two, um, making a shakeup just because I've, I've been so impressed in their last ten games. I've got the Montreal Canadiens. Um, oh, yeah. Second in their division. They've won seven of ten. Um, you know, they're right behind Boston, I believe, two or three points out of the uh, the top spot. Boston, who just seems to be in a tailspin right now, um, thought that they would turn it around, but they, uh, they're they going through a rough patch right now. 
I'm not sold on Montreal. I have a feeling that they won't be uh, in my top three for very long just because, uh, you know, they're on a hot streak right now, but I don't know if they have the pieces to sustain it. Their offense right now is in the top ten, I believe, sixth or seventh in terms of uh, scoring per game. They just lost uh, Druin, one of their good young offensive players. Um, they lost someone else to uh, to surgery today. So I don't know if they can sustain it, but right now I think Montreal's a good story, and I'm going to have them as my number two team. Number one, Washington. I'm sick of talking about them. They, I, I don't think they're leaving this spot anytime soon. They're 13-4 and four in their last 17 games, top 10 special teams, um, one of the best in goal differentials. Their offense is amazing. Uh, I'm, I'm tired of talking about them. There's plenty of other uh, people that are talking about them. Literally every NHL fan should be talking about them. So, um, yeah, my number one uh, it looks like indefinitely foreseeable future. Probably, probably. Let, let's be honest. And, uh, you know, it, it's probably going to be them for the foreseeable future without a doubt. Uh, all right, let's get to our player of the week. And my player of the week is Jack Eichel. Five goals. He had a four-goal performance against Ottawa Saturday night. He had the lone goal against the Blackhawks and the Buffalo Sabres uh, scored last night. So my player of the week is Jack Eichel. Starting uh, hot, six goals in his last four games. Five this past week. Yeah, absolutely. And I had a pretty good goal against our Chicago Blackhawks last night in a losing effort. I'm going with a uh, aforementioned player, Nathan McKinnon. Um, this week in three games, four goals, three assists. Um, has been absolutely fantastic. Um, you know, is re-entering, I think, the MVP race. Um, you know, he's behind a few great players in Edmonton and Boston right now in terms of scoring. But he's starting to turn it on. Colorado's exciting to watch. Uh, my player of the week. All right. And we have our game of the week. Right here to get ready to finish everything off. Uh, my game of the week so far, my game of the week is actually tomorrow night, Tuesday night, Edmonton at San Jose. Uh, two really hot teams. Edmonton's been playing very well. San Jose has won six in a row, Zach. And they're starting to try to get out of the hole that they dug themselves. So, I, you know, they're at, what, 21 points or something now. So, San Jose starts trying to get out of there and... and you know, if they can get a couple more points and gain a couple more points for Thanksgiving, they, they got a shot to get back into this. So I have the Edmonton Oilers, the Pacific Division leaders, Connor McDavid and company, going to the San Jose Sharks tomorrow night. Absolutely. It should be an exciting one. My game of the week, Thursday night at 7.30 p.m., you have the Winnipeg Jets traveling to the Dallas Stars, who, much like the San Jose Sharks, are starting to turn it around, um, are playing the way that we anticipated they would in our projections for this season. Um, you know, two teams that are very competitive in their division. Um, Winnipeg, I think, is still a surprise that they're being able to sustain the success without Dustin Bufflin, but I think it's going to be a good game. It's going to be a physical game. Uh, there's a little bit of bad blood between these two teams, and I think it's uh, it's going to be a great game for yeah. Thursday night. Really quickly, I'd be remiss if we did not uh, announce that tonight is the 2019 Hockey Hall of Fame class being inducted in Toronto. Uh, those members are Haley Wickenheiser, uh, the greatest player in the history of women's hockey, uh, four-time gold medalist for Canada, and seven-time IIHF 
World Champions. She retired when she retired. She was the leading scorer in Olympic women's hockey history with 18 goals and 33 assists in 26 games. Also in the class are Guy Carbono, a former Montreal Canadiens and Dallas Stars center, uh, Sergei Zubov, Stars, New York Rangers, and Pittsburgh Penguins defenseman, Vaclav Nedovansky, a leading scorer in Czechoslovakia and the first person to defect to North America, Jim Rutherford, the current general manager of the Pittsburgh Penguins, he's also a three-time winner in the Stanley Cup, and Jerry York, the Cup coach from Boston College, the all-time wins leader in Division One. So it's a just a great honor for everybody, and yeah, that's a great class. So. Yeah, absolutely. We talked about this class uh, when they were first announced uh, a few months ago back in the summer. You know, we, we kind of made the remark that not too many, you know, major household names, but when you look at the history of the players involved in this class, um, some very uh, historic and remarkable um, inductions here. So hats off to all of these players, um, great careers, and definitely well-deserved for every single one of them. Absolutely. Congrats to them. All right, now let's go to our final segment. It's time for Smith's Hits. Thank you, Matt. Yes, the betting segment of the podcast. Uh, I like to remind everyone what the record is um, going into it. So the podcast overall record, again, Tuesday games are what I uh, pick, three of them on the podcast that we put out on Monday. Um, so far, podcast, I am 8-5 and five overall, including our Twitter picks. I am twelve and eight, so still in the in the win columns. Um, feeling pretty good about that. Let's get into some of the games that are going to be happening tomorrow, Tuesday night. First one, Minnesota at Buffalo. This is a, a game that I'm not necessarily excited for, just because Buffalo's been having uh, some struggles in the last few weeks. Um, Minnesota, not very good at this point of the season, just as we suspected. Um, I think Buffalo has a great opportunity to, to kind of snap the tailspin that they're in. Um, they're minus 125 on the money line. So take Buffalo. Also, I think you should take the under. It's at six. I just I don't expect Minnesota to score too much. So take the under there. Another game that was mentioned earlier that I think is going to be fantastic, the Edmonton Oilers head to play the San Jose Sharks. The over-under is at six. Um, between Dreisaitl and Connor McDavid, they might double that themselves. Um, I say take the over. It's just a great offensive duo they have there. San Jose is starting to put it together. I think they'll put in some goals as well. Final game, Toronto at Vegas. Uh, you know, we mentioned the struggles that Toronto's had. Vegas on the spread is minus one and a half. They're um, deservedly the favorites for the game. Uh, I think Toronto's going to turn it around here. I think you should take them with the points. I think it's going to be close just because Vegas hasn't been um, overly impressive to me in the last week. Uh, I think they might still squeak out the victory, but I think Toronto with the points, uh, they turn it around. All right. All right. So you can come back next week and see how Zach did and all of his gambling advice. And he's been pretty good at it so far this year. And so uh, Smith hits. It's been a hit so far. Absolutely. And that was not so great pun. <laughs> so, uh, anyway, that's that's all the time we have for this week. So, for Zach Smith, I'm Matt Rosenberg, and we'll be back next week. 
with more Hockey Talk, a Thanksgiving week preview of Puckheads. Have a great week, everybody.